0: you, and we want to proclaim that as we continue this morning to offer up our hearts in worship and in acknowledgement of your sovereign grace and mercy and love that is extended to us each and every day, and we thank you for the privilege that we have to live in the knowledge of your love and in the hope of what your kingdom will bring and continues to bring to the world around us. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, nice to have you here this morning. Um, I just, I, I just uh, want to do a couple of house cleaning items before we actually dive into the message uh, uh, this morning as we get into uh, Mosaic with the wisdom series that we're talking about. Um, for, those of, for those of you that haven't noticed, the, the, the church is, is uh, getting a little fuller on, on a Sunday morning. Um, if you can just think as we uh, begin to gather on a Sunday morning that if you want to start uh, getting closer to the middle so we can leave some room on the outside for, for those people that are having trouble finding a seat as we kind of uh, do that as a, as a church, that would be wonderful. Um, it's a good problem to have, Right. Amen. Absolutely, good problem to have. Another problem that we have that I that I just I want to do a a a little bit of an advert if if I can do that this morning, is it because we're growing and and because of the of of certain things that uh, that become part and parcel of a growing church. You know, there's some areas that uh, we we could use more help in. um, You know, that uh, as the church grows, the technology aspect of the church is becoming more demanding. Um, and the expectations uh, in, in the world that we live in. So, if you're interested at all in, in AV or video or lighting, um, those are those are uh, activities that you can help and participate in and, and be part of the service. Uh, also, kids connection. You know, we have I think we have 19 down there in preschool just this morning. Uh, 20 there. Yeah, yeah. There's some of you that are just nodding your heads this morning and you're going, am I ever glad to be up here? Is that what what you're thinking? Okay. Um, So yeah, those are are great problems to have of a growing church, but I just want to put a couple of those things uh, at the forefront of your thoughts this morning as as we begin and, and contemplate what it means to have wisdom. All right, we're into, we're into part, part two of our, of our series, Mosaic, and, and if you were here last week, we introduced this whole idea of wisdom, and what we said is this, is that you know, we live in a world that, that values information, we live in a world that values knowledge, but biblically speaking, information and knowledge is not enough. Um, The the Bible talks about wisdom. I mean, it's this additional step that we take. It's one thing to have information. It's one thing to have knowledge about something. It's an entirely different thing, what you do with that. And the Bible talks about wisdom. That the information and the knowledge that we have needs to be applied, integrated, and applied through wisdom. And we looked at the passage last week, and we said that wisdom has a number of characteristics attached to it. Um, You cannot be wise if you're not a person who is willing to be teachable. If you're not a, a person who's humble enough to say, I don't know everything, I need to be taught, I need to be a teachable person. That was one of the things that that came out of the passage last week. We said you had to be teachable. You had to have this humble spirit. And not only have this teachable spirit, but this humility. But as you grew older in the wisdom, you wanted to share it with others, and you wanted to pass it down, especially to the younger generation. Because they have not lived to the degree of experience that you have lived. And we said last week that... All our lives are really a sum total of the decisions that we have made to date based on the experiences that we have lived. Okay, so that's very important. But we said the third thing, you can have humility, you can have this teachable spirit, but the third thing that you really need in your life is this thing called the fear of God. That if you don't have the fear of God, then what happens is you believe that your life is the sum total of wisdom. That you are the purveyor of all wisdom. And that there is nothing greater than yourself or greater than the collective wisdom of humanity that, that wisdom has to surpass. And this fear of God is this, this respect, this awe that God does truly know better than I do. And my life is lived in reverence and respect and awe for the wisdom that is, is God manifest, is God himself. Okay? Very, very important. And we said a lot of the ways that that works out in our lives is that direction determines destination. Thank you to Andy Stanley for that little phrase because he's the one that first coined it, I believe. But direction determines destination, that the road that you decide to go on will eventually lead you somewhere. And the Bible teaches that you can be very, very aware of of what that path that you begin to walk down is going to lead you to. Direction determines destination. Now, we're going to expand on that this, this week. We're going to look at a passage that actually talks about what happens when you take particular directions, the destination, the places that you end up when you do that. Okay, And, it's a, and, and, and we're going to build on this direction, determines destination phrase with, with something that actually comes before it, um, that comes right out of this passage. So I want to see how astute you are at, uh, at observing what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, because we're, we're continuing the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, and starting at verse 20. And here, here's this passage. Wisdom, the passage writes, shouts in the streets, she cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. Now, this is how the passage starts. Now, interestingly enough, the passage personifies wisdom as a woman. Okay, this characteristic of God, this, this aspect of God is, 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 is personified in this particular passage as a woman. Now, as a man, I'm going to say something. For those of you for those of you that are listening online, you're really missing something right about now. Um, OK? Uh, welcome. Here's what I was going to say Thank you. <laughs> I, be, I, I, believe, I believe, by the way, that, that wisdom is personified as a woman, because the characteristics of, of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is that it's beautiful. It's something you want to embrace. It is something that is attractive. It is something that will make your life better. OK? And I, OK, I, I know I'm doing the guy.? Okay? I know I'm doing the guy thing, but it's a, it's a beautiful woman because wisdom is personified in that particular way. OK? But it's a characteristic of God that you should want to chase after, because, because it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to have in your life. Okay? So, for those of you that thought I was going somewhere else, eh. okay? Be wise. Who said that? Um, That was good. That was really good. Okay. So, uh, as the passage continues, listen to what what she says. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge Come and listen to my counsel. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. Remember we said last week that to be a person of, of, of wisdom, there had to be at least a, 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 an element of humility in your life wanting to be teachable. And here is wisdom saying, I tried to teach you But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. Let's continue with the passage. So, I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone. And anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. Let's continue. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death, fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace untroubled by fear of harm wow direction determines destination now we all know that instinctively you know i want to i want to uh, back up a little bit here on this direction determines destination and we said last week that if you're a parent you know this instinctively that direction determines destination when 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 your kids get involved with the wrong group right what, what do you say uh, when when your kids end up uh, uh, adopting a habit that you know where it could possibly lead? No, don't want you. Uh, if they don't study, what do you think? Right? Do you say to your kids, you know, it's okay that you don't study. I don't care if you don't ever do well in school. Okay? No parent would really want to say that because you know that direction determines destination and as we grow older somehow what we see very clearly in our kids somehow what we see very clearly in others becomes rather murky in us Right? There are lots of people that will come and say, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure that's the wise thing to do? Are you sure you want to follow that program? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to get in a relationship with that person? There's all kinds of things that people on the outside can look inside and say, guess what? I can see with the direction that you're taking what destination you're going to end up in. Right? There's so many of that stuff that happens in, in our lives, and we see it very, very clearly. You know, you know right away, if, somebody, if you went to a young person and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And if they say, I want to be a doctor, what, what goes to your mind right away? Oh, oh, you want to be a doctor? You know the path they have to take right away. You know it's going to include school. You know it's going to include a lot of discipline and hard work. You know it's going to include a lot of money, Right? You know it's going to include some kind of internship or some kind of residency. You you know it's it's going to include time. And if you want to accomplish that, that's the path you're going to have to take. You know, whatever direction you want to take, that's the destination you're going to end up at. You know, it's it's such an instinctive part of life. But we know this, but often we forget it. But we can see it so clearly in other places people. So, um, uh, if I could have the next slide, please, James. Thank you very much. So, the book of Proverbs, these first two messages, is, is kind of the view of life from 30,000 feet, okay? It, 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 it's a very general overview of the book of Proverbs showing us that direction does determine destination, which is the point I want to make. But the passage that we're talking about here adds another element just before this, and this is the element it adds, that disposition determines direction. That disposition determines direction direction. How many of us know someone who loves to gamble? You know that that disposition, what their attitude or, or what drives them or what motivates them or what's important in their life or the passion that they have in their life, uh, their disposition of how they are as a person will often lead them into a direction. And that direction leads them to a destination. If you know somebody that struggles in certain areas, you know the direction that's going to take them. If you know somebody that has a disposition that they have no use for God, there's no chance of them ever getting on the path to God unless God does something dramatic to their disposition, to their attitude towards God. We know that, right? How many of us? know um, no people in our lives that there's no way you could say I know that person there's no way they're going to go for what you're asking them there's no way they're going to go for uh, you know be, being a, a part of this program. there's no way they're going to be part of wanting to be part of a church there's no way you, you just know their disposition and often what the passage is warning us against is that there's certain dispositions that are going to struggle with gaining wisdom that is God given because those dispositions will lead them in a direction that is opposite of God. Okay? You guys tracking with me so far? All right? So even though direction determines destination, the disposition of the person determines direction. That is why, that is why we talk about God doing a work in a person's life. Because... That person's life doesn't change unless there's a dra- dramatic act of God in their life, right? What we do as churches is basically um, create environments or make an opportunity for us, for us to set up the date with God. But we're not the ones that are changing them. God is the one that's <laughs> doing that. And I've said many times, we can reform a person. Only God can transform a person. All right? So let's let's go. What's what's very interesting is is in the terms of being teachable, the Bible talks, this particular passage talks about three character types um, that you can identify. Three character types that are part of this passage that talk about a particular disposition in a person's life. All right? And the first one is this. It talks about the simpleton. The simple-minded, okay? Now, the simple-minded person is often in the Bible a young, naive person, okay? A young, naive person who is easily deceived. Uh, They lack God's wisdom, and as of yet, they have yet to harden themselves against God. Okay, I'm in the cave, am I? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know what the actual Hebrew says? Uh, this, this phrase about the simple-minded? The actual Hebrew phrase says, How long will you love your open-mindedness? Those who, who love their open-mindedness. Now, I, I'm like, wow. But, but what the Bible means by that is a head that is open to anything; that they have no discernment, they have no resistance to say yes or no to anything because they don't understand what's right or wrong. Um, they have no concept of what is really right or wrong, and they live with just basic instincts. If it feels right, I'm going to do it, no matter what. Okay, that's that's what's being communicated. C- communicated here but the, pa- the these three that we're going to look at it goes from the most hopeful possibility which is the simple-minded because because they're often the young and naive to the least hopeful the more ingrained character type that's going to be more difficult to move them into a place of wisdom. This is why, by the way, this is why the book of Hebrews is, stresses so much the parents' responsibility to teach their children about God. Because, because the children are simple-minded, their minds are open, it needs to be filled with something of value and to equip them up to live a life of faith in God and to understand who God really is. And here's the thing, not only to teach it, but to live it. All right? This is a big distinction. The book of Proverbs talks very much about not just teaching it, but living it in a very practical way. And, it's, and here's, here's the important thing. It is the parent's responsibility to do that. It is considered the children's responsibility to learn it and to live it. All right? Very, very important that the responsibility does go on the child as they grow older to do that. Very, very important. That's why the, that's why the book of Proverbs has so many passages about parents and children and discipline and, and, and nurturing something in them that they need nurture because they're simple-minded. They're open to anything. They're open to anything. And, and yeah, I was going to go to the Santa Claus thing, but forget it. Okay, that's why the Bible has so much to say about that, right? Because, because I happen to think that as a culture, we put far too much information into children's hands and expect them to have the wisdom Uh, Of people many years older than them uh, would struggle with don't we Um, that that, that's that's my sense of the culture that we don't uh, guard our kids in some ways that there should be a way of protecting them okay that's that's just the reality of the culture second second person that's mentioned is the fool The fool is the person in, in, in the Bible that hears the wisdom of God and resists it, doesn't want anything to do with it, and decides that he can live his life better than what the precepts of God will give, and, and, and says, I can do it my way, I can do it uh, without anybody's help, I can do it without God. Um, in fact, it, you know, it sounds foolish to me, and I'm just going to live and totally ignore the wisdom of God doesn't make sense to me any way. Okay? Didn't, didn't, didn't Jesus tell a story about a fool who wanted to build bigger barns and uh, be able to store all his wealth in those barns? And he wanted to eat, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And he thought for years and years to come, he would just live a very, very comfortable lifestyle. Didn't, didn't Jesus tell a story about a man like that? And didn't, and didn't it happen that even though the man planned everything so well for his human existence, that his life was taken from him far shorter than he ever imagined his life to be taken? And Jesus summarizes in Luke twelve twenty one. He says, yes, he said, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Pretty powerful. Notice that Jesus doesn't condemn the wealth. He condemns having the wealth exclusive of a rich relationship with God. Exclusive of a rich relationship with God. Now, we don't dare call anybody a fool nowadays, do we? right? It's actually where we get the, our, our word moron from in the Greek. Yeah. Comes from, comes from, but, but we know the Bible's not politically correct, right? Okay. All right. But, but Jesus many times, many times expressed the foolishness of a person because he could see what path they were on he could see from the disposition of the person that it would determine their direction and that direction would determine their destination all right now the third one is this is a mocker uh, also known as a babbler or a scoffer now there are a lot of names you can be called okay um, in, the, in the Bible, probably the worst name you could be called is a devil or a demon, okay? That's probably the worst. But under those, <laughs> mocker is the worst thing you could be called in the Bible. Uh, and you might think sinner is the worst, but we're all sinners, okay? According to the Bible, we're all sinners. Uh, so that's not the worst name that you can be called in the Bible. The worst name you can be called in the Bible is a mocker or a scoffer. Okay? And here's the reason. A mocker is a person who openly is antagonistic against the wisdom of God. Not only does he mock it openly, but he mocks those who follow it. Okay? He's he's openly antagonistic to the wisdom of God. All right? We have other names for them nowadays, and I'm not, you can guess them. All right? Um, but that is, that is the worst label. That is the worst thing you can possibly do. It's, it's, it's bad enough, it's bad enough that you mock God openly. It's bad enough that you would, you would scoff at God and scoff at the wisdom of God, but that you would even in, entrust that mocking to your own children and make them mockers of God, okay? That is, that is the, the, the worst thing you could possibly do, in terms of the, of the book of Proverbs, and, and that's carried over into the New Testament. To be a mocker or a scoffer is not a very good thing to do. Okay, so remember, disposition determines direction, and direction determines destination. That is the way it works. Jesus said in, in, in uh In Matthew 6.33, he said, look, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else is going to follow after it. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, that is the direction your life should go. Because if your disposition is to honor God, that will set your path, that will set your feet in a direction And that direction of following God and being faithful to God will lead in a destination that we talk in terms of eternity, we talk in terms of heaven, we talk in terms of salvation, we talk in all those positive things of life. But if you don't have the disposition towards God, this passage, and by the way, in your life groups, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't wrestled with the remainder of the passage. Because the remainder of the passage tells you what happens to a simple-minded person if they continue in the direction that they're going. What happens to a fool if they continue in the direction that they're going? Okay, really, you know, really practical hands-on stuff. Right, isn't it? Isn't this why um, the you know the Apostle Paul in the Book of Romans says in Romans twelve two, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. We all know this passage, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your for you, which is good and pleasing. And perfect, because this is where it starts. This is where the disposition starts, right? How many, you know, how many, um, how many of us who who have come to faith, you, you know, have been surprised at how dramatic your thinking changed once you became a believer, right? Listen, I, you know, I, I I can still remember not not having any any idea of God. And, and I was absolutely, when I became a believer, I was absolutely shocked how much it changed my thinking. That was really dramatic for me. Um, and I don't know if it was, it was as dramatic for you, but I was absolutely shocked about, because I could say, you know, last year, if you had have said that to me, I would have said, no way. Last year, if you had have said to me, you know, you're going to believe this by next year, I said, you're Crazy. There's no way I, I would have ever thought that. You, you know, you, you would have a whole attitude uh, adjustment by the time this time next year. And I would say, no, 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 no. I was, I was so shocked because we talk about our hearts being changed. But for me, it was so dramatic in the other way that it changed my thinking totally. What I thought was right, what I thought was good, what I thought was crazy, what I thought, you know, uh, you know God was all about, what I thought you know, what, what, what was a priority for God, what I thought was a priority for humanity, all of those things got totally readjusted. In, in fact, I, I wish at 20 I had a written down all of the things that I believed philosophically about the world and God. Because it, it would have been really funny to read them today. Because none of them, I mean, in fact, I would, I would guarantee that every single one of them would be an embarrassment if I read it. Because the changing of the thinking has been so dramatic. And there's some of you here today, it's, God? God, don't talk to me about God. But until your disposition changes about God, your direction will be away from God. And that direction will ultimately lead you to a destination. Because that's just the way it works. Um, I want to close this morning with a kind of a little illustration. I know it's Soup Sunday and everything. And uh, I don't normally read things. But I thought this was such a great illustration in... in in light of what we were talking about this morning. Um, I like Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud. I don't know if any of you read any of his books. He's really... But he wrote a book some time ago called Nine Things You Simply Must Do in Order to Succeed in in Love and Life. And um, he talks about all the successful people that he has um, worked with in his life. And he noticed that all these successful people did nine things... Um, consistently, like no matter who he talked to, whether it was ministry, uh, church, they all had these nine common th- uh, characteristics that, that made them successful, okay? And they were able to apply the wisdom that they learned to their lives and, and lived it, you know, very, very well. And one of the chapters is called Play the Movie. And he, he noticed that every one of these people were able to look at the present circumstances that they had and they were able to say, if I continue on this path, where is it going to take me? Okay? Now, here's the illustration he gives. I'm going to read it. Uh, I hope you pay attention. It's only a, a, a couple of pages long, but I think it's really good. Okay? Here it is. The old man sat down on his favorite bench, settling in with his newspaper for his lunchtime ritual. He was a man of routine and could be found here most any day, enjoying the trees, the children playing, and the sounds of the bustling city around the park. One day, a young man sat down next to him with a paper of his own. The old man moved over a bit to make room and went back to reading. After a few minutes, however, the new bench partner said, "'Excuse me, sir.' "'Yes,' the old man answered, looking up with a friendly smile. "'Would you happen to have the time?' the younger man asked. The old man looked the young man over for a moment, taking in the fact that he was pleasant-looking. "'No,' he said, then went back to reading his paper. Puzzled, the younger man could not imagine why the older man would not give him the time, having noticed that he was wearing a watch. So he asked, "Um, "'Excuse me, sir,' "'Yes,' the older one replied. "'I don't mean to be a pest here, "'but I'm curious about something. "'I can't help but notice that you're wearing a watch. "'Yet when I asked you if you had the time, you said no. "'Have I offended you in some way?' "'The old man just looked at him, "'not saying anything for a moment, "'but eyeing him up and down. "'Finally,' he said, "'No, not at all. "'You seem to be a nice enough young man.' "'Then he went back to reading his paper.' This seemed ever more strange to the young man, so he persisted. Okay, then I don't understand. Why don't you give me the time? The older one puts down his paper. Well, when you first sat down, I noticed you. You seemed like a nice enough young man, clean cut and all. You seemed interested in the world and its current events, as I noticed by the particular paper you were reading. That was impressive. Then you asked me for the time. And I figured if I gave it to you, we might strike up a conversation. And if we started a conversation, you would probably tell me about yourself. And I would probably like you, and we would become friends. And if we became friends, I would see you here again, and we would get to know each other. Then I would probably invite you to my house sometime to meet my family. (laughs) If that happened, you would meet my wonderful daughter. whom I love very much. With you being such a nice young man, she would probably like you. And as beautiful and as wonderful as she is, you would probably like her too. So the two of you would probably get to be friends, go out on a date. And if that happened, chances are you would fall in love and get married. And I'll be hanged if I'm going to allow my daughter to marry a man who doesn't own a watch. (laughs) Okay. Disposition determines direction. Direction determines destination. What road are you on? Are you on the path to wisdom? Or are you on a path where you know if you continue, you know if you continue, it's going to be trouble. You know continue. Why not, why not take this week to ask for God's help? Why not take an opportunity to chart where you're going because disposition determines direction. Direction determines destination. And God loves you too much to leave you in a direction that is going to lead itself to a destination that he does not want you to end up at. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful book of Proverbs, this wisdom that comes to us from so many years ago and yet it's so practical for today. And Lord, we all have experienced some of the things that we've talked about this morning, the potential of a path that we take that leads us somewhere. And you know, Lord, if we're absolutely honest, we knew getting on that road where it could eventually take us. And it's almost a miracle that some of us are surprised because of where it it leads us. And yet time and time again, we can forget that you have given us a blueprint, that you have given us a plan, that you have given us an opportunity to be taught, to be teachable by your word. And so, Lord, as we continue to learn from the book of Proverbs, we pray that you would help us to stay on the path that leads to the destination of blessing, of righteousness, of hope, of glory, and eventually to eternal life with you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.